Awesome. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Fans Take, a sports podcast for real fans by real fans. We're excited to share our takes on everything from power rankings to hot takes to news about our favorite players and teams. I'm one of your four hosts, Andrew. Um, I uh, originally hail from the great state of Wisconsin, so I am a Wisconsin sports fan through and through. Um, I enjoy anywhere from uh, football to basketball to baseball, so I'm really looking forward to being able to be a part of this with uh, some of my good friends here. Um, my favorite team, uh, probably currently the Green Bay Packers in the midst of a little bit of turmoil, which we might get to later, but uh, still, I still got to love the green and gold. And my name is Tyler. Uh, I hail from Chicago, Illinois. I love all my Chicago sports teams, a variety of them, all the Cubs, Hawks, Bulls, Bears, uh, and I respect the White Sox. Uh, but my my main Chicago sports teams, I say, is my favorite is the Chicago Blackhawks. My first passion, my first love. And, uh, yeah, I love my Chicago sports teams. And I'm Brett. Um, I'm also – oh, you want to <laughs> – <laughs> I'm also I'm also from Chicago. Uh, I pretty much like every sports team in Chicago except the White Sox. I am not like Ty- Tyler. I do not respect the White Sox. Uh, my favorite team will is the Chicago Bears. Bear down. All right. Uh, my name is Chris. I, I'm also from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, big fan of most Wisconsin sports, uh, minus the Wisconsin Badgers. I'm a Marquette men's basketball fan. Um, my favorite team, though, would have to be Bucks. Awesome. And we're, as I said before, we're we're uh, four friends, real excited about sports, real excited to be able to share with you guys a little bit. So um, basic, basic agenda for what this uh, episode is going to include, we're going to talk about some basic sports news. We're going to talk about a little bit about MVP race for NBA later on. And then uh, we're, we might include a fun little segment here at the end. Uh, but really, what really irks us in the sports world right now, where you get a hot take from uh, one of your four hosts, and you will be able to sort of talk about it and dish on it a little bit. So, yeah, I'll get us started here. So um, I'm sure all of you guys have heard of the Aaron Rodgers debacle that's going on right now up in Green Bay and around the uh, NFL. Um as a, uh, as a Packers fan, I, my heart hurts a little bit, but I'm a little bit confused as to where everything's going right now. Um, lots of news here, lots of news there. People saying, yeah, it'll work out. People saying it's definitely not. He's going to the Broncos or anywhere else. So there's a lot of rumors out there right now, but it's definitely putting uh, setting quite the tone for a dramatic offseason for the NFL as a whole. Yeah, the, the, the Rodgers stuff, I mean, coming from a Bears fan perspective, uh, I mean – I don't think it's as big as a deal as the media is making it out to be. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, I think in terms of but where there is smoke, there is fire. I do think there's some type of rift there between management. I don't know about you guys, where your guys' opinion is, but I think there's some type of rift, rift between the two, but I don't think it's immendable, and I don't think that, oh, he's going to the Broncos, Raiders, that type of stuff. I think there's something going on there where it's going to be mendable in the end, but that's just my opinion on that. Um, so as another Packers fan, it would kill me if Aaron Rodgers uh, had left, uh, obviously. Um, I, uh, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I know I said, I said my favorite team was the Bucks, but Aaron Rodgers will always be my favorite professional athlete ever. Um, I've just loved watching him play throughout the years, seeing all the MVP-type seasons and numbers he's put up. Yeah, uh, just been incredible. Um, to put this into a little bit of perspective from a Wisconsin sports fan, 
when there was the whole Giannis thing of like, oh, is he going to resign or oh, is he going to look to go somewhere else uh, next offseason? I was very 50-50 on what I thought was going to happen with that. Um, I, I thought, oh, there's a good chance he stays loyal and stays. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know. Like, we, we've had some some issues, uh, especially like in the postseason. Uh, we only made one uh, conference championship series and lost. Uh, I was very 50 and 50 on that. And I am even less confident with the Aaron Rodgers thing. I mm-hmm. think there's a greater chance he leaves than I thought with Giannis before. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really uh, that's a fair point to make, Chris. And I can something I can relate to quite a bit as well. Um, Giannis is my favorite player any sport any time has been since we drafted him in 2013 and was a pop un, an unpopular opinion but I, I gotta agree with you this one feels a little bit more uh, a little bit more risky and a little bit more um, yeah dangerous I guess if you want to call it the word for this uh, for the Packers and the, and the reason being is that Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is just a different type of person than Giannis is I, I he's been he's been frustrated with things before and he's been very outspoken about that and I guess I'm kind of yeah I, I I I hope it works out I don't know if it will if it does he's just gonna have to uh, suck it up and get over it and that's a little bit where I'm at I'm a little bit more bitter towards him in some ways too where it's like yeah I understand that you're frustrated, but at the same time, like where else are you going to go that you have a better chance to get to the Super Bowl than where he is right now? Like the teams they're talking about, like Denver, Oakland, great teams in their own respect, no diss to them, but you made two conference championships back to back and your division is still yours if you stay there. So I I don't know. I, I, I hope it works out professionally. I think it makes sense to stay there. Um, obviously I can't speak for that, not being a professional athlete, but I think it makes a lot of sense to stick around and, you know, uh, gut it out with an improved team. I think at least from this past year, one thing I did see, and I saw this on Instagram, so kind of take this with a grain of salt, um, but, uh, <laughs> um, and, a, and an honest, anonymous, uh, NFC executive said, uh, that he still loves like the Packers like, franchise, mm-hmm. but on top of that, he still has all these frustrations with whatever it is with management, like the whole Jordan love situation, not, you know, telling him what's going on with that. Um, So it kind of gives me hope a little bit that they can eventually work things out, but there's obviously still all this, whatever going on. Yeah. I mean, what what you can say is nine, if you can look at it, nine of the last 10 first round draft picks I thought I saw was, uh, have been defensive players by the Green Bay Packers. And the one offensive player that they chose in the last 10 draft picks was Jordan Luff. So they really haven't given Rodgers the opportunity, at least the draft wise, to get him help. They've got Devontae Adams. He's a stud no matter what. But and other than that, they haven't really gone out and tried. They could have had Justin Jefferson in the first round. They could have had people like that. But they just they decided to go other routes. So that that's one thing that can be kind of frustrating. I can see from Rogers' side. <clears throat> that being said, from my opinion, I do think this is mendable. Don't give me hope as a Bears fan. Because <laughs> 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 man, I, him leaving the division, I'll be honest. Yeah, that would that'd be super awesome for our side. But at the same time, it's I don't see it happening. Well, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. But I I don't think it's immendable. I think I can see him coming back. I can see him working out this season he's just coming off an mvp i don't think the packers are going to budge and trade him for nothing and i, I don't see him retiring just because he's stubborn i just don't see that but i i, I come from, from chicago so 
I don't know much about the Packers and much about Rogers, uh, thought process and what he is as a personality. <laughs> a fellow Chicagoan, <laughs> I, 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 remembering what they did with Favre and Rogers at the beginning, mm. it it just it just they tried to strike. They tried to strike a, a get a lucky shot like they did last time, and I mean it's yet to be seen what Jordan Love is going to be like. But I, I mean, I could put a pretty strong bet that Jordan Love is gonna, he may not even be half the quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. Mm. And, 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 and exactly again, I could be wrong, but at the time, Aaron Rodgers was considered to be maybe going as a first overall pick in that draft. I think it was two thousand five. Jordan Love was a fringe first round prospect. Like most people thought he would be available in the second round. There were people who said that he might have actually been available at the Packers' second round pick. So they were confused as to why they traded. They not only drafted him, but they traded assets that they could have used for Aaron Rodgers, who's, I mean, maybe they just didn't have faith. He had come off some bad injury years, or not bad injuries, but a couple bad injuries, and maybe they thought. He was going to take a turn like guys like uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. You know, they've kind of had their injuries, and now you've seen that they are not the same quarterback that they were even three or four years ago. But that it's just hard to, you know, to think that they just tried to do what they did in 2005, even with new management. They tried to do that again, and while Favre was mad then, is it a surprise that Rodgers is mad now that – he hasn't gotten the support that he believes he should have. Yeah. So, um, so, was, sorry. Uh, there was just one thing I wanted to add to that as well. Uh, I do see like why Rogers would be frustrated with that sort of thing, but it also looks like it did kind of light a fire into him almost because look at the seasons he had been having the past couple of years before that. I mean, he wasn't even throwing 30 touchdowns passes a season. Like, and that's just not what we were used to with Aaron Rodgers. Like out of nowhere, he's just kind of, it felt like he was just getting too comfortable, like, okay, this is my team. I don't really need to try as hard. But all of a sudden, we they draft his replacement in the first round, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's an MVP again. Mm. Yeah, no, I think all of those are really fair points, and definitely there's comparisons between Favre and Rodgers. And, we, you know, we can definitely make this into a, uh, a uh, big topic that could probably go on for hours and hours. I guess one thing that I just sort of leave with is, like, yeah, there's differing opinions all the way across on what's really going to happen, what's going on inside his head. The issue with uh, what's happening in the media though, is that we really don't know what Rodgers has said. We know what people have said about Rodgers, but we uh, don't know officially what he's saying or thinking either. So I guess what time will just have to tell is see exactly what uh, is going to be happening. But uh, yeah, uh, for now, uh, Bears fans will be optimistic. We'll be uh, <laughs> optimistic in the op- opposite direction. So we'll have to just see how this all shakes out. Very true. Very true. Well, move, moving on to the NBA a little bit. Uh, so stuff around sports still. Uh, the Lakers currently, as we're recording this podcast, are leading the Pacers 104 to 90 entering the fourth quarter. I think 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they're most likely going to beat the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Lakers and Trailblazers are fighting it out for that 6-7 seed, guys. And Trailblazers have one game left against the Nuggets. And the Lakers, if they beat the Pacers today, have one game left against the Pelicans. So they're duking it out between the two. Uh, my question is for you guys, what do you guys think uh, with the Lakers fighting it out? You think the Lakers will take it and they're going to get out of the play-in, or you think the Trailblazers are going to step up to the challenge and beat the, beat the Nuggets on the stretch? I'm, I'm going to go first on this one. 
Go ahead. I have, I have a huge bone to pick with the NBA and their referees. Mm. That foul call on Devin Booker was absolutely ridiculous and could screw the Blazers out of that final playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And, of course, who are they going up against? LeBron and the Lakers. I, I, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, oh, that's caused by this. But it, Damian Lillard doesn't get those type of calls that Devin Booker just got. Zion doesn't get those type of – I find it just hard to believe that Devin Booker can get those type of calls that completely change a game in which, I mean, maybe you could say it's a foul. That's maybe a foul in the second quarter. In the fourth quarter, though, that's – yeah, at the at the and end of the game, a very ticky tack call to make with 0.7 seconds left, and it could end up completely costing the Blazers. Yep. I, I and I don't know who has the tiebreaker between them. The Trailblazers do. Okay. Yeah. So, yep, so they so, still have the advantage, but it's still just. Yeah, that, I saw that and was just irate, and I had the I had to get that off my chest before. We- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the Trailblazers. Yeah, I, I agree. At the at the end of the game, like that, a ref's got to swallow his whistle when there's a ticky tacky foul like that. If you're going to the rim, you're getting hammered. That's one thing. But when you're shooting a fadeaway jumper and you might get tapped on the elbow at the end of the game, that's. I agree. I, I understand that frustration. But the Trailblazers still do have the tiebreaker. So I don't know about your guys' prediction, but my prediction for this is I do think the tri- I think Lillard's going to step up to the plate. I think Trailblazers are going to pull it out, and I I can see LeBron. And, and Anthony Davis playing it out as the seventh seed in the play-in tournament. But they're probably going to beat Golden State anyways. Yeah. Um, See, I, a, go ahead, Chris. My bad. I was just going to say, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to do everything they can to pull themselves out of that spot. Um, I do think that there is a, still a solid chance that they both just can just win out and the Blazers hold, their, hold the tiebreaker. And there's nothing the Lakers can do, but I don't think the Lakers lose a game the rest of the season because LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to do everything they can to make sure they're not in that playing spot, even if there's even if it's too much for them to overcome. Yeah, I guess where I'm at, I'm feeling uh, <laughs> uh we'll we'll just uh, uh put put in the, I'm going to try and put personal opinions aside a little bit. My 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 gut or what my heart wants to have happen is that Lakers go seven seed and then get beat by the red hot warriors right now. Um, oddly enough, I think, I think that they are the most dangerous play in game team that is around right now. I genuinely think that they could be real scary if Steph Curry works his magic. Um, but that being said, you know, ignoring those placements, I think, I, I do think that uh, the Lakers have a solid chance of winning that. And I mean, uh, Brett, what you'd mentioned earlier about the refing, I'm 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 in that same sort of boat of under uh, trying to understand what's happening with NBA refing, and I I recognize that happens for pretty much all the big name stars, but it is kind of interesting to see the fact that the Lakers um, might be getting a like, and oddly enough, like what might happen on the stretch with them, and what help might happen, what might not happen. It's it's, it's definitely up for debate, but I I think that the Lakers might get a little. Uh, might get a little support from our old uh, um, friends in the in the stripes. So I'm thinking the Lakers pull it out and get into sixth seed, and they don't they get the bye. I hope not, but we'll see. I think that's gonna happen as well. Currently, right now, uh, Los Angeles leads Indiana 105-94 with 8:30 left in the fourth quarter. So I think they're gonna pull out that game, but I don't know. I just putting it out there, putting personal opinions aside. 
I, I still see Portland pulling it out. Uh, I just see Lily stepping up to the plate. I see CJ McCollum. I don't, I, because it's not in LeBron and Anthony Davis' hands. If they went out, it's still up to Portland to lose. And I just, I don't know. I see Portland pulling something out in that, in that final game. So that's just that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Definitely fair. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Moving on back to the NFL, this is kind of old news at this point a little bit, but um, Tim Tebow signing as a tight end with the Jaguars. Uh, any opinions on that? I'm excited for it. I I I did. I used to be. I used to be a bit of a contrarian with when it came to bandwagon stuff, but now that I've uh, not seen Tebow in an NFL game for a long time, I'm 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 a little bit excited about the potential of Tebow time back. So I. Here's my thing with Tebow. I love Tim Tebow. I really do. I like that he tried to do his baseball thing and he, when he gave up on football. I mean, I understood that. And I don't think he has ill intentions, but, like, I, at some point you just got to call it. I mean, that's just my opinion. Like, he's he's an influential sports figure, an influential sports face. But, I mean, and, and he's got he's got a relationship with his coach, Urban Myers, com- coming in. But at the same time, I just – I don't see him being as a productive NFL tight end. I don't think it's going to – benefit the the Jaguars all that much. I don't think it's going to be a big move. I think he'll make make, make a couple catches here and there, but I don't see him making a huge impact on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't see the point of doing it, but because it kind of overshadows, not not totally, but overshadows a little bit of Trevor Lawrence coming in, starting like you kind of want all your focus to be on developing the rookies, developing your team. And now you got this 30 something year old, old quarterback as a tight end coming in making waves and making headlines. I mean, I understand it, but I just, I'm not a huge fan of it. I agree. And don't, and don't get... I was going to say, I think part of the reason for this, I think is a little bit of a because I mean, it's Tim Tebow. Like he's, I mean, with all the Tebow mania of, you know, back like 10 years ago, all of a sudden after so long, Playing a new position that back in the day he used to. Mm-hmm. I think this was going to do that. I think that was a, a part of the reason they did. But with this, I think Tebow just kind of went with it because it's like, if I want to play football, it's not going to be playing quarterback. As unfortunate as that is for him, because of how bad he wanted to keep playing quarterback. Yeah, and I get like wanting to make headlines and get attention on your team. But, you know, they got the number one overall pick. All eyes are going to be on them already. They got a new coach who's a very established college coach that's trying to prove himself in the NFL. I I feel like they had enough headlines, in it, and this might just be end up being a distraction. Then again, I love Tim Tebow. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the guy, but I just, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the move. <laughs> I do think it will be a distraction as well because I've been hearing, like, a lot of the players are not happy. Like, on the Jaguars are not super happy with, with this sign. And that's, and that's no fault of Tebow and the kind of person he is. Cause he, he's a great person and he, he's going to do what he can to help the guys out. But I just, in the end, it's going to be a distraction. No, I, and I, I guess I, I see exactly where you guys are coming from with that. And normally I would agree um, just because normally these like out of retirement flamboyant personalities is normally what are signs. So like a Chad Johnson or a Rob Gronkowski even. Um, that being said, I just don't think that this guy, I, I think that this will die down fast. I'm not expecting a lot of frustrate, uh, a lot of, uh, production out of it, but I'm also not expecting a ton of frustration. I think it's a little bit overblown. Um, I think that at most he'll be a special teams 
Mercedes Lewis coming in block type of guy. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I think the distraction fear is a little bit overblown across the league. But, I mean, it, it's yet to be seen. Maybe it's just my optimism with Tim Tebow back. But, no, I'm not expecting production or a distraction there. Hmm. That's fair. Brett, did you have anything to add to that? You know, I pretty much agree with you all. I don't have super strong opinions about this. I know people around the league do, but I, he – Odds are he won't even make the opening day roster or opening day. Gosh, what am I talking like? CMLB. Uh, <laughs> he, won't, he, won't, he won't make past the final cuts to the 53 man roster. Um, I, I don't think so. He's been playing baseball for six years. He hasn't trained the type of muscle. I mean, I know he's an in- extremely athletic guy, an extremely talented athlete, but he, that's completely different training when you're training for baseball as compared to being a tight end in the NFL. At the age of 33, 34? I don't even know. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I know he saved, he saved his body. 33. Yeah, and he saved his body by playing six years at MLB. But it's still, he played, you know, all those years at Florida. He played for Denver. He played for the Patriots and the Jets. I mean, he got hit. He's He's got some wear and tear on him. He's 33 years old, and that's a pretty physical position because you have to be able to block if you're going to. He's not going to be their number one tight end, so he's going to have to be able to block. And yep. if he can't do that, I don't think he's going to make the team. So, so uh, next topic, we're staying with the NFL. So whichever one you guys want to roll with, the uh, the NFL draft was a couple weeks ago, so that might be a little old news. But the NFL schedule, I know, just came out this week. And obviously we all have our eyes on one particular game uh, week four Patriots versus Buccaneers Tom Brady going back to Foxborough uh, so that's a big that's a big headliner obviously we're going to hear about it all summer long about Brady going back to the you know to New England to play against old Bill Belichick what week was that again Brett it was week four it's week four I'm say yeah one, one headline I would think I mean I I happen to think Cam Newton's going to stay the starting quarterback, but I wonder if they go early to Mac Jones or if they stick with they stick with Cam throughout the season and let Mac develop behind Cam. What's your thought on that? You know, Cam played really bad last year. Yeah. <laughs> so really if they, oh if my goodness, if there is in training camp, if there is not an improvement, and if Mac Jones looks like he d- did at Alabama, which who knows if he will? I could see Mac Jones being the day one starter. Wow, I, I, I really could. Uh, Cam Newton did did not inspire confidence in anyone. To be able to, you know, um, come out there and confident. I saw a thing on Mac Jones. No, I, and this was it was on uh, Instagram, and uh, it was like a meme that said, um, "Just imagine." The, the awakening Mac Jones is going to get when not all his receivers have 15 yards of separation every play. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is fair. I, I, and, and Chris, that makes me laugh because um, I am, I am not a Mac Jones guy at all. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm glad he went to the Patriots because I do not like the Patriots and I wish bad things on them. But um, that being said, um, that being said, I do, I do think that uh, there's a lot of fairness in thinking that, you know, there's a potential that he could start 
relatively soon. I don't think I'd go so far to say out of camp, Brett, just due to the fact that, I don't know, I feel like they, they'll give another run at the Cam Newton situation. <coughs> I think that I think that Cam can do better than he did last year. I'm by no what means saying that he's going to be back to what he's what he could back in the past, but I still don't. I just I don't think that a Belichick would pass off his team to a non-veteran until it's like very very obvious that that veteran can no longer even chuck a football and any accurate. So yeah, I would usually agree with you here, Andrew, in terms of like the way Belichick's done it. But I mean, Belichick mm-hmm. he's been operating this off season in a way that he's never done before. He's overspent on, on these receivers. He's he, he didn't trade up for it, but he drafted a quarterback in the first round. So I don't know what to think about Belichick anymore. No, he's no, that, that is 100% right, though. But he did he did, he spent, though, this offseason, as you just said, on on offensive players, if I if memory serves correct. Yep, for sure. Um, that, at least to me, I think that would indicate that you're looking for supporting a veteran because look at last year. He had Edelman as his number one, probably. Yep. And Edelman, I think, is an overrated uh, wide receiver across his career. Mm-hmm. That being well, said, he's, he's, I don't think that it's going to solve Cam Newton's problems, but I just don't see you spending a lot of money for Mac Jones to slide in. And then it's maybe just my hate on Mac Jones, but I, 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 yeah, I, I see, I see your point, but I, uh, I guess I'm sticking my guns on that one. I actually, I actually agree with you in terms of the Mac Jones not liking him as a quarterback, but I do like the situation that he's been put in. If there was going to be mm. Any spot of the of the thirty team or the the teams of the NFL, uh, I would say the Patriots is the one spot that he'll succeed because every. That's what I was going to say, yeah, yeah, his uh, his style of play is ancient. It's not the way the new NFL is. You got to be a two way threat, and he's he's a pocket pass, not mobile. He's not fast or quick, but he's accurate. He throws hard, throws far, and I don't know. I, I feel like he's in the right spot in terms of to succeed. I guess Brady in a way and be the next Patriot quarterback can he do that i don't know that's yet to be seen but if of any spot he's going to land i think the patriots was the right spot no I, I i agree with you there no you're definitely right it it look looking at the roster and looking at i don't know cam newton just their offense he, belichick ran an offense for 20 years that is an offense that cam newton cannot run mm-hmm. and Belichick switch it up to play to Cam's strength, and he still just didn't look. I mean, I get, I get, he had no, he had no receivers. His offensive line was decent, probably average offensive line. Um, running backs were were decent. Hell <laughs> was injured for a while, but Damian Harris looked good. Um, they still have James White. I just they added so many receivers and then went and drafted a quarterback. I mean, they added Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, um, Hunter Henry, uh, Jonu Smith. I feel like they're wanting to get back to the old, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set you up with the run, but now we're going to be able, we're going to be able to kill you in the air too. Mm-hmm. And I think Mac Jones, it just, I mean, Cam Newton's been one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks since in his tenure, you know, in the NFL. And I don't think Belichick is a huge fan of that. Yep, his best days are behind him. I, I, I mean, unless Mac Jones looks average or doesn't look good in training camp and in preseason, I I still that he's going to be – or Cam Newton just blows everybody away. 
I, I guess. Yeah. So there, there's always those there's always those gaps, and if Mac Jones can, you know, adjust to not having receivers 15 yards, you know, down the field, passes and with pressure in his face, I mean, I, that's what I just see how that I see that going that way with Mac Jones. Yeah. No. All lots and lots of uh, fair points around the table here, guys. Um, yeah, no, uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what these young quarterbacks have um, coming up and see if that old regime of uh, quarterbacks is going to start fading off into the background. So, yeah, lot, only time will tell. I mean, thankfully, we aren't uh, super concerned about uh, having to play any of those guys early on if they start having success. But um, nice. <laughs> I kind of want to shift us now towards our main topic of the, of the cast here. Um, and that is the NBA MVP race. So I guess right out of the gate, there's a couple things that we want to talk about here. We want to talk about, first of all, who do we uh, want to win? Who do we think will actually win? And then uh, maybe a dark horse that won't, we don't think will win, but certainly deserves some recognition and commendation given the incredible seasons that they have done. So um does anybody want to lead us off with who do they think who do they want to win this MVP? I think we should actually start with who we think is going to win. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds great. Into, yeah, that sounds great. So who who uh, who do we think uh, who do we think will win? I mean, I think this is Jokic's year. That's just my yeah. I think he. The, the the Nuggets are a three seed. Yes, they haven't elevated as much as they did last season. They're about the same they were last season. But I think Jokic's stats have stepped up. He's almost averaging a triple-double. He's averaging 26.5, 11 rebounds, 8.5 assists. Uh, I mean, I just – and he's leading a three-seed team. I think this is Jokic's year to finally win one. And a big man can finally win one. I mean, I guess Giannis is kind of a big man, but I always saw him as more of a wing. But, yeah, that's – I think I think this is Jokic's year. Yeah, I think, uh, Ty, I got to hop in with you there, too. Um, Jokic has been uh, a man amongst boys with a lot of what he's been doing. Uh, and, and, and with and with his size and his athleticism, a lot of people, you know, dig on, like, oh, the man can't move. But if the man can't move, then how in the world is he doing this type of stuff to everybody on a nightly basis? Um, that near triple-double from us, almost seven-footer, um, the nice shooting touch um, and the fact that he is playing without his number two yep. for most of the season down here, down the stretch without Jamal Murray um, gone for the season without his sixth man, without another starter um, in Mon- um, Monte Morris. Um, I think, I think that this is the perfect situation and also the most deserving situation for him uh, to win this MVP. And, and, and if not him, who, I yeah. just don't think that there's anybody else with that uh, type of uh, um, uh, type of uh, deal that he's going on this year right now. And I just want to put something in perspective real quick. Uh, he's averaging eight and a half assists per game. I remember back in 2014 when, you know, Joakim Noah was playing really well. And and we're like, wow, Joakim Noah for a center is averaging five assists per game. Like, that was a lot for a center. We're like, wow, he's one of the best <laughs> thing that – Jokic is averaging eight and a half assists from a center. Like that's pretty crazy to think about when you, when you put it into perspective of what big men use. Like the you know pers- uh, the expectation is for a big man passing, and now he's averaging eight and a half assists. That's just crazy. Yeah, 
only done that once in his career, I'm pretty sure. It was only where he averaged eight and a half assists per game per, per a season. Really? Um, yeah, and I do think, for all the reasons that you guys just said, I do think Jokic will probably end up uh, with the with the MVP. Mm. <coughs> I I guess I'm gonna go against the grain here, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, my old boy uh, Stephen Curry. I think is gonna win the MVP. Whoa! Uh, okay, wow. He, he, he's leading the NBA in points. I mean, that Warrior team is an absolute mess when he is not on the floor. And I think that Steve Kerr has been one of the worst coaches in terms of – I mean, at the end of the season, he finally got it right and started playing Stephen Curry more and stopped with the stupid minutes restriction. Let the dude play. Like, he is balling out, and he's like, oh, he his hamstring is – you know, he let the guy play. He's crazy. He's scoring 31 points a game, 48% from the field, 42% from three, 81% from the free throw line. The dude is – the good dude's going nut. He's hitting shots that he made. I mean, he's doing better than he did, in, in my opinion, in either of his MVP years. Wow. He was playing better. He has so much confidence. And what when I I sat down and watched a game of the Warriors and every single shot he took I was like, without a doubt in my mind I thought those shots were going in. He is just playing beyond, beyond well. Well, I and I'm not going to disagree with you guys. I definitely think that Jokic can and will win, but I also think that Stephen Curry is. I, I just I, I would find it hard to believe that they would give it to a center. So Curry, so, so Curry is your uh, is your should win. Is my, is my should win because I find it hard that the NBA is going to give it to a cent, especially when an old, you know, three-time NBA champion, two-time MVP is all of a sudden just going crazy. I that It, it smells like Stephen Curry MVP. No, here's, my, it, here's my hold back with the Curry. I mean, I, I understand that point. He is playing amazing right now and i forget how old he is i think he's like 32 33 years old but he's the warriors are currently an eight seed and they if they lose out and the grizzlies win out they'll end up being a ninth seed so they're still going to end up being in the play-in so in terms of depending how you want to measure mvp because the the measures have changed every year but the, from a warriors from the perspective of mvp if the warriors are an eight seed but he's still playing out of his mind does Steph Curry to win it i don't know like the same argument was made for russell westbrook way back when where they were a six seed, but he averaged a triple double. Did he deserve it? I don't know. Like so, that that that's kind of what I'm thinking. I and I I, I see I see the points against it. And Brett, you sort of stole my thunder for what I was uh, going to talk about for a surprise pick. But uh, yeah, no, I think I think that um, indicators are there for that possibility. I just I I can't. I can't bet against a guy like Jokic who has done it all without anybody else on his team. Um, Cause if you look at like his second best player now at this point, uh, probably Michael Porter jr. Um, I would, I'd, I would still look at that supporting cast that the warriors have put together around Steph Curry at the very least and say that's comparable at least um, considering the injuries. That being said, Steph Curry is playing insane basketball right now. Um would I be surprised if he won it? Yes. Would I be heartbroken that I I wasn't right on that pick? No, because he is doing incredible things. But then you have to almost bring about the argument of a Bradley Beal, for example, too. The efficiency isn't there as much, but like a guy who is balling out on a nightly basis 
for a middle of the lower pack team. I think that argument falls short a little bit just, and that's why I think that I'm still going to stick with Jokic as well. But Steph Curry is certainly a playing incredible basketball. It's just it, those, those questions about like, yeah, what about Bradley Beal then is, is something that sort of stops me from making that claim. I think the, the Warriors, their record's just not good enough. I think, I, I mean, the, if you just look at the past MVPs, other than Russell Westbrook, I don't think there's ever been an MVP under a three seed. Hmm. That'd be an I'll interesting thing to look into. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a good point. Like, uh, team success does have to be taken into account in some at some aspects. Like, I don't know. Like, if you if you end up being like a six seven seed, do you deserve the MVP? That's a debate that's been going around the NBA for a long time. But like you said, Chris, a majority of the time, three seed or below, or if you're below a three seed, you're not going to pull it out. So that's a good point. So I'm going to make one more argument for myself. Since, so you know how there's like a portion of the season, he probably missed like five or six games. Mm-hmm. Since Curry came back, the Warriors are 16 and seven. So you put that out through a, you know, an 82 game season and they're, you know, maybe not quite, but pretty close, like a 50, 55 win team. He's, since he's gone crazy. I, I know that now we have to add in the whole beginning part of the season, but that's, this season's been a mess. It started pretty much on Christmas. And yeah, so I, I, and Jokic has been doing it all season. I agree, but it's just hard to, I guess maybe it's a recency bias for me, but it's hard to, to look at what he's doing and just not be in awe. That makes that makes sense, but there also has got to be like a some type of <clears throat> bar where like, hey, you got to play this much of the season in order to. Just no, he, he's play, he's played like six. I think he's played sixty games. Has he? Okay, okay. So I might that might. Just, be it was just game. it was just since he missed that like middle. He missed like five or six games. I think Steve Kerr is being. Oh, you're right. He's played fifty-two games. You're right. Yeah, so he, Steve Kerr was being. Oh, I'm not going to play him. We're not going to win this year. Yada yada. So. Well, let me let me. Comment on this. I know this isn't part of the discussion, but the bottom of the Western Conference is going to be a scary matchup for the one or two seeds. Like you look at the Lakers and the let's say let's say the Lakers and the Warriors end up being the seven eight seed, and they play the Jazz and the Suns. Those are going to be some good first round matchups. Sorry, that's off topic. That's crazy. Yeah, it is going to be tough. All right, so I, I guess we've heard all from all of us about who we think will win. Um, is there any changes to who do you want to win? Uh, does anybody want to start us off with that? Oh, I said you go in. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can I can lead off. I mean, um, who do you want to win? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm always going to have a little bit of a bias towards my guy Giannis. Um I think that that's what in my heart I wish that he would win. I think that the MV, I think that the NBA oftentimes overlooks, especially repeat um, MVP people. I don't think they're ever going to go for a three-peat and like just hand it to them. I just don't think that that's going to be. I, I think that's sort of working against you if you've won two in a row. That being said, um, in, in my dream scenario, it would be he winning it. But that being said, I love Jokic as well. I love I love his game. I have for a while. Two um, uh, K can attest to that, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, that being said though, I, I, I think, I think obviously I would want Giannis to win the most, but, uh, my sort of, uh, one B of who I would want to win would be Jokic. So I'm going to stick with my same. Yeah. I think the whole voter fatigue thing is going to 
kill Giannis's case for MVP. Um, I mean, wasn't Larry Bird the last player to win three years in a row? I'm pretty sure. And that I'm was back sure. in the 80s. Yeah, I might be. Yeah, and um, on top of that, the Bucks kind of fell to the three seed after being, you know, the best record in the NBA two years in a row. I think both those kind of things kind of pile on to uh, Giannis not being the MVP this year. I think even if you take away one of those two factors of the voter fatigue or moving down to the three seed, I think even just one of those arguments is enough to take him out of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, Giannis, I, I think the voter fatigue, I agree with both of you, is going to play a part because if you think about it, my, Michael Jordan, I think he ended up winning five MVPs. He probably could have won like seven MVPs, 10 MVPs. Like, like he, he, he deserved it every year, but it just comes to a point where you don't vote for that. Or like LeBron James, he, he deserves it mostly every year, at least back when he was in his prime, but people just don't give it to him because they get fatigued in voting and you want to go Steph Curry. And I mean, not saying Steph didn't deserve it, but you want to go Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Like LeBron probably deserved it each of those years. Uh, my pick actually, uh, I would say Luca is kind of the guy I want to win it. Because if you, if you look back on where Dallas was at the beginning of the season, they were out of the playoffs, even out of the play-in. And then Luca stepped up and just started playing out of his mind. And I think he's averaging, what, 26 a game, something like that. And he, I, th- I think he's led this Mavericks team back to the middle, uh, run that fifth seed. And I, just from where they were at the start of the season and then the, when Luca started playing well, I think Luca probably deserves the MVP. Just my opinion. I'll – I'll stick with Stephen Curry. I think he will, and I think he should win it. I, I gave my whole speech before about why I think he should. Um, so I, I, I'm going to stick with him for both. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Ty, just a quick uh, backtrack to what you had said. Um, and, yeah, so I like – and also looking at Giannis's stats, just a quick little tidbit. I mean, really the only thing that he isn't keeping pace with Jokic with is the assists, and that's only by, like, two and a half assists. So like we're talking a better defender. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a significantly better defender. Um, so I think voter fatigue will play a huge role in that. Um and, and especially considering like they're in the same position with two teams above them and they're they've been uh working through the whole new system with different players and adjusting things on the fly and whatnot with trades and stuff. But uh I think that it's uh, it is something to to say a little bit about Luca. Um I remember when we were talking about Dallas at the beginning of the year. Now, maybe this wasn't a super popular opinion, but we were talking about Dallas being a top three team in the West. Mm. So I guess I guess where I'm coming from is like, why weren't they in the like doing well at the beginning then? If um, if like, and why is it such a surprise to us that now they've crept back up into the fifth or sixth spot um, when we were all expecting them to be a top three team in a powerhouse of the West, like right below the Clippers and the Lakers is what the preseason was almost making them seem like. So. I guess that's sort of where I stand, Luke. I think he's a great player. I think that he could easily like should win it, but it's just I, those those things are a little bit interesting to think about too. That's no, that's fair. The expectations at the start of the season were they they're going to be up there, and I I understand where you're coming from from that. I was thinking they were out of the plan at one point. Like they were like they started out like crap, and it was just it wasn't looking good for them. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, Luca just played out of his mind, and they've been climbing the standings slowly and steadily. And I just. I think he deserves some recognition for at least getting him out of that rut from the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But I understand where you're coming from. That makes sense. Uh, just to confirm, Chris, you were correct. Uh, Larry Bird was the last 
three-time winner, uh, three to three-peat it from 1983 to 1986, but LeBron won four in a five-year span from 2008, winning two with the Cavaliers to 2013, winning two with the Heat, sandwiched between Rose, Derek Rose's 2010-2011 MVP. And some people say LeBron deserved that MVP that Rose won. And imagine not, if he had. I would not disagree with you. <laughs> I would not five in a row right there. And I am a Chicago Bulls fan, but I don't know if I could disagree with that. I don't know, but then but then you also have to ask and look at the other seasons too, I think, a little bit too. So but that's a that's a different discussion for a different time. Um, yeah. Ash won it when Kobe averaged like thirty five points a game or something like that. So. that yeah. Put that into perspective. Steve Nash has more MVPs than Kobe Bryant. That's weird to think about. <laughs> that is odd to think about. Um, but yeah, no, so like we've covered the who we think should, who we want to. What are some guys that um actually uh, excuse me? I haven't brought up mine yet. Oh, my apologies, man. My yeah. apologies. No, no worries. No worries. I just I want I had some points I wanted to bring up because uh my opinions on who I think should win the MVP might be considered a little controversial. I know I said I think Jokic will win, but I do not think he is the most deserving. My opinion, I think the most deserving MVP for this year should be Chris Paul. And I know it's not a very popular opinion at all, (laughs) but just take a look at what the Suns were last year, or like not even just last year, the last 10 years since Steve Nash has been gone. They've been horrible. They've been missed. They've missed the playoffs literally every year since Steve Nash left. They were a 10 seed last year. They were 34 and 39. All of a sudden you come in this year. The only major addition they've come in with is Chris Paul. And all of a sudden they have the second best record in the NBA. And to me, when you say most valuable player, like valuable means wins. That's what value is in sports, is winning games. And no, I don't think any player in the NBA has added that value to their team this season than Chris Paul. I think that's a that's a really interesting take, and you already know where I stand on that. Um, Chris Lee says interesting because <laughs> he doesn't want to say bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you did wrong. I'll tell you why. No, uh, no, I think I think all the stuff that you said is fair. Um, I do think that I do think that we have to sort of recognize the sort of emergence of the rest of that Suns team. Also, at the same time, they had a lot of pieces in place that could have done something uh but we're just sort of missing that centerpiece so i don't i i completely agree with you that chris paul has brought in tremendous value to the suns that being said you look at the maturity of um all the way from devin booker finally having a complimentary piece sort of a 1a 1b with paul you look at deandre ayton whose skill set can finally be utilized um and you also look at the fact that like a Mikel Bridges and uh, Jay Crowder, some of these defensive stalwarts are coming in and actually being able to contribute at a decent level. Um, now, another thing that I would bring up is uh, is somebody that I'm actually going to talk about in, in, in the next po- portion about uh, who, who is having an incredible season is Julius Randle. You look at a Knicks team that really had no right being in the playoff picture, really. And then all of a sudden this man comes alive and has carried that team at times to incredible, incredible record beyond even what we thought. The, we thought the Suns would be a playoff team, probably. At least a lot of us did. But the Knicks, I, I picture them being a bottom four of the East, and all of a sudden they're in the playoff picture. Like, 
I think that you would almost have to bring up a person like Julius Randle if you're going to say that Paul is going to be up there too. So I think Paul is an, an incredible, but I, I, that's where that's where a little bit of the interesting uh, opinions come in there. But yeah, no, I, I, hats off to you for having that though. hundred percent, you defended it well. So well, I was just also going to say well, with your like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton all of a sudden kind of coming to who they were. I think that uh, like a big reason for that is because of Chris Paul. Like fair, the, fair. they like they could have like had they not gotten Chris Paul this year, they could have very well been the exact same team they were last year. I mean, yeah, they looked good in the bubble. They won all their games and still missed the playoffs. And you know, but who knows if Devin Booker or Aiton would be who they are right now without Chris Paul? Fair. Fair, and we'll just have to agree to disagree. But yes, no, you, you bring up an incredible, you bring up an incredibly compelling point there. You are right about that. So I guess now we kind of shift to a little bit of some of the players that we think like are having really incredible seasons, and they won't be recognized with that MVP. But they are stuff that you have to say. You know what? I think that you guys are doing a, they're doing a real solid job, and that needs to be commended. So, um, what do you guys think? Who, who's who's a player that you guys think is going to be like? It, yes, it will go down as a very very good season, but won't be recognized by votes. I mean, I was just looking around at the standings, and if you look at the Atlanta Hawks right now at the four spot in the Eastern Conference, where people thought they wouldn't really be like at least to this level, a four seed in the East. I think Trey Young, if you look at his stats, deserves at least some recognition to be in the conversation. I'm not saying that Trey Young is a MVP or should win the MVP, but at the very least, he should be on the MVP ladder for uh, what the NBA is discussing. He's having 25 and a half points per game, nine assists. Yes, turnovers are up a little bit. I mean, that's expected to happen. But in his third year, he's putting up some great stats, and, he, and his team's finally succeeding along with him. So I'd say Trey Young is a person that, should at least get some type of recognition in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he's top five, but I at the very least be on the ladder on NBA. Trayon wasn't an all-star this year, was he? I don't even know. I'll be honest. I think he, <clears throat> he was not an all-star this year after being a starter last year in the all-star game. Yeah. So he's just kind of getting disrespected a little bit in terms of that. I mean, it's his third year, so he's still establishing himself. So maybe he's got to take some time in order to establish himself in a, the conversation each year. But he definitely deserves to at least be talked about. I, uh, I'll go and take a stretch here. It's a big stretch. Are you but... going Steph Curry for all three? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Um I'm going to go with uh, Jimmy Butler. So, yeah, we people forget about him. He's averaging. He still plays. He still plays, and he's averaging 21.5 points, so it's not, like, otherworldly, but he's averaging the most rebounds he has in his career at 6.9. He's averaging the most assists in his career, 7.1. When would you ever, ever picture Jimmy Butler averaging seven assists a game? Mm. He's shooting 49% of the field with an awful three-point field goal percentage. So to, to counter that, he's inside the three-point arc. He's pretty much automatic at, and 86% from the three-point line. And since – so there was a big middle portion of the season he missed. Um, I think he's played 52 games this year. Um, in that middle portion, so when – so this season they're 39-1. and one. With Jimmy Butler playing, I believe they are – 33 and 19 
Wow. So that's a big. So that's a big. That's a big jump. I mean, they. Mm-hmm. He's he's better than. He he's better than what they've. Like he's just having a he's having a great season, and in, in, you can say Bam Adebayo. I know Bam Adebayo is having a great season too. He's a great. He's one of. He's actually one of my favorite players in the NBA. But Tyler Heroes here and there. Goran Dragic is old. I mean, they got. They could really shock some people in the playoffs. I mean, if I'm the Hawks, you know, I'm worried about playing them as the four or five seed, and if I'm the Sixers, I'm praying that the Hawks win. If I'm the Sixers. Because Bam Adebayo can lock down Embiid, and Jimmy Butler can go on whoever's hot in any game. That's not obviously that's not Embiid, and pretty much lock them down because Jimmy Butler's a, a star defender, averaging the most steals. I don't know if I added that too. He's averaging the most steals in his career too at two point one this season. So he's not only being a catalyst on offense and taking over the passing duties, but also adding in more defense than what he's already brought, which was great defense i you know i love jimmy butler and i do uh former bulls fan but i mean the miami heat were in the finals last season here's my counter argument for you the miami heat were in the finals last season their expectations were super high i know the roster is aging a little bit but like people expected them to be a top three seed in the eastern conference or at least well before brooklyn went crazy (laughs) but so the fact that they're five and they're kind of flirting with the six that, that's kind of my counter argument for that. That being said, I don't doubt Jimmy. Jimmy Butler makes impacts on the court that don't. Well, they're flirting play. with the four seed too. Yeah, they have <laughs> no, fair point. Fair point. They're four, four through six is pretty tight. Yeah. But it's uh, I, I mean, Jimmy Butler, I agree, makes impacts on the court that don't even show up on the stat sheet. He's just that type of guy and that yeah. type of player. And so I, I see where you're coming from with that. But I don't know. Just the expectations, at least from my perspective, Miami were much higher than they are right now. Oh yeah, and, so. and I'm not saying he should win. I think he should get more record. No. I feel like nobody, like like Andrew said before, he's still playing. Like nobody knows he's still playing. Like <laughs> people don't realize it, and he's having a fantastic. <laughs> year. Very good and, point. And hot, and they're hot right now, and they massacred Philadelphia the other day. Mm. So um, I, would, I would watch out for the Heat. No, that definitely all, all those. I, I those are all very interesting points, and I and I and I, and I my picks is gonna. Or should I say my players that I'm going to mention are, and let me be very clear, I do not think they should win MVP, nor do I think that they should get top five vote, votes. But I'm going to be sort of going, another uh, sort of player like Brett has sort of disappeared into the background a little bit and is having a a, a, a uh, polarizing season, but I think as something important to recognize still is Russell Westbrook is having a really very solid season and nobody has really recognized it because it's just been more of the same and in some regards a step up from last year. Last year was sort of like a, a disappointment in a lot of regards for what you expected from Westbrook and Harden, right? Mm-hmm. We can all agree to that. But I think what we, we, we can also recognize here is that Westbrook went up almost five assists per game this year. Five assists per game this year. And he, and he went up three and a half rebounds per game from what he did last year. Um. On, on a team uh, that is right around similar, like, I mean, ultimately about the similar production of what the Rockets kind of fell flat on at the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I think it, I think think he's just somebody that I think we have to recognize how well he's doing right now. Not to say that let's, let's give him a vote for this. No, I'm not saying that by any means. But I think we have to recognize the sort of impressiveness of what he's doing there. 
And another thing that I want to do before anybody, you know, gets uh, gets on my back about it, I'm looking at percentages, shooting percentages, and that's something that a lot of people are sort of salivating, like, yes, all right, let's get them now. But if you look at his uh, shooting percentages, um, we look at guys like uh, Trey Young got brought up, for example. Their 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 overall field goal percentage is about identical. Trey Young, seen as a very good three point shooter, is shooting only three percent better from three than Westbrook. Westbrook is averaging five less points per game than him, but is averaging significantly more rebounds and assists than him. So it's just interesting that like, sort of like Jimmy Butler, a guy that um, has been good for a long time is sort of like sitting on the back burner, having a really quality season, I think still. Yeah. um, So yeah, those are uh, great points there. I think, uh, Russell Westbrook is having a very good season. Might be getting a little overlooked uh, now, especially compared to the attention he was getting his first like triple double average season. Uh, but um, another guy I wanted to bring up is kind of my honorable mention. Again, shouldn't be getting top five. More of an up and I think he will win MVP at some point in his career. But Zion Williamson, I think he took a big jump uh, last or from last year to this year. Um, and I know last year his uh, injuries were maybe holding him back a little bit, but this year he took a, a big step forward. He's averaging uh, 27 points per game, seven rebounds, and uh, almost four assists. Um, and, yeah, not good at all. And that's the main reason he's not in any sort of MVP conversation, and he shouldn't be. But I think with the the jump he made from last year to this year, it's he's kind of shown that, he, at least in my opinion, that he will eventually become that type of player that's going to uh, make all NBA teams um, and maybe win an MVP someday. Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely will. I mean, we can't say for certain, but yeah, I mean, Zion. Right. The physical okay. I'm, I'm calling it Zion will win an MVP. Okay, what is it? 247 <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Brett called uh, Zion's going to win an MVP. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> he will win MVP. Guarant- Book it. You know what? Book Zion it. Williamson will win an MVP in the next five years. Book it. Yeah? Yeah. the next five years. Okay. Dude. Tell you what. Yeah. I'll bet, I'll, I'll bet Dang, you 20 that, bucks. That's, that's, an, that's an intense pick there. All right. I'll bet you 20 bucks. <laughs> 20 bucks. I got till 2026. Yeah, till 2026. Yeah, Zion wins an MVP somehow in the next five years. I got you. And another interesting thing about Zion, I think kind of like what you were saying about Jimmy Butler, Brett, and it's surprising because it's Zion, but I feel like he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, not as much as Jimmy, not nearly as much as Jimmy Butler did, but like, I remember last year uh, when he was a rookie and it felt like ESPN was talking about him nonstop. Yeah, ESPN was blasting it, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this year they've taken a huge whole Zion hype. Yes, they have. He's still getting a lot of recognition. I mean, it's still Zion Williamson, but uh, I feel like even though he's had a much better season than he did last year, they're not talking about him as much, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, with with uh, Lamelo this year, and uh, you know, Jokic for MVP, and LeBron James crying about the playing game and that's playing for the playoffs, which actually makes the end of the season kind of interesting. I kind of like it. 
You know, people are actually fighting for, you know, and some extra playoff spots and they yeah. don't, and most teams don't want to be seven and eight seeds, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it's making it interesting and it's kind of taken off the, the Zion train <laughs> where everybody's <laughs> in his name. Zion, 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 Zion. They're like, oh my God. I started to dislike the guy just because of how much they talked about him, but. Now they cooled off. I can kind of sit back and watch him play and appreciate, you know, how truly good he is. He is a – and I was complete. and I will say when he was – my brother's a Duke fan, so when he was go, uh, not even at Duke yet, but going to Duke, I said he wasn't even going to be a good college player. And now he's an all-star, and I'm betting he's going to be MVP. So tell you how wrong I was about him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just – yeah. We might be talking about him less probably because – he, like you said, the Pelicans are like an 11 seed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they're an 11 seed in the Western they Conference. Are. They're not making any big waves. In fact, expectations for them were higher this year because you had Brandon Ingram. Uh, I mean, I, I, people thought they were going to be at least in the playoff conversation. They really haven't been. They haven't made impacts. So I'd say that's probably why Zion's flown under the radar with this great season because they haven't made big waves yet. And he, they will. I think they got they got a young team. We'll see what happens with Lonzo and free agency. But mm-hmm. I think – in the end, the Pelicans are, are going to end up being a, a playoff team consistently each year if they can keep this core together. But right now, I'd say, yeah, since they've flown under the radar, uh, Zion hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves. Yeah, they just need one more piece, and I feel like they could put it together. Not to, like, a championship level, but, like, a consistent playoff. Mm, definitely. I mean, well, Zion's a championship player, you know? <laughs> right, Exactly. So, you know, yeah, you know, it's just a matter of he, he's going to be a number one championship guy. He just needs the right cast around him. Is, is Ingram a number two or three? I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, that's where they stand right now. Yeah, no, lots of uh, lots of interesting uh, uh, picks and discussions right here, guys. Uh, lots of good MVP talk. And, I mean, we'll have to see. The season's almost coming to a close. So, uh, kind of tight race in some regards. In other ways, it's pretty, pretty – uh Pretty wide open there still too. So um, again, uh, we are coming about to the close of here, our first segment here. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, it's a pleasure for you. Um, and uh, from uh, the guys and myself, thank you guys. And uh, we'll see you next time on Fans Take.